this is Lauren C. Scott, Dr. Lauren C. Scott, um, President Lauren C. Scott Associates and Professor Emeritus Economics, LSU. Thank you very much for joining the program here today. Of course, Louisiana State, I did want to bring that up for a second or two because uh, in addition to the university, you also assist with the economic forecasting for the state, don't you? That's right. I've been doing that for almost four decades now. We put out the Louisiana Economic Outlook. It's about a 110-page document we put out every October uh, looking at what's going on in the different areas of the state. And, of course, we are a very energy-oriented state, so you have to kind of have a sense of what's going on in the oil and gas industry to know what's going on in Louisiana. Well, I think you're actually responsible for a lot of my uh, LG and uh, CNG, all that different knowledge just from our conversations with Lake Charles and the yeah. amount of investment in petrochemicals because I had to do the research and find out feedstock. And boy, lo and behold, I, I, I thought for a long time that's what they fed to cattle. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I grew up in the egg side of the state, you know. <laughs> I understand that, man. I understand that. So uh, I did want to bring you in because, you know, not only do you cover oil and gas and you do a number of different things on the speaking circuit and consulting with oil and gas companies, but you also look at the economy from a 5,000 foot view from a number of different angles. Uh, we're gonna talk about the electric vehicle thing in just a second, but I did wanna talk about some of the rising costs of lumber, steel, you've got, uh, I was talking to a guy last week and during our conversation, stainless steel doubled in price and all kinds of different things. So. What are you hearing? What are you seeing from the economic side of cost of goods and, and, and services and et cetera? Well, especially on the commodity side, what we're hearing is a lot of prices are going up. And part of that has to do with just shortages. Uh, just the whole supply chain right now is still kind of gummed up as a result of COVID. Uh, for example, it's, it's, it's even if ships, you could get all your ships loaded from China or wherever they're coming and get to the West Coast or down to the port of New Orleans or some other places, uh, you've got you've got to get them unloaded, and there are issues at each one of the ports with that. A lot of ships are stacked up at the uh, ports waiting to be unloaded. And then once they're unloaded, there's, there's, a, there's a real problem still with trucking. Uh, a lot of the truckers are not back on the road yet, and so there's a real wait time for, for truckers right now. Uh, and as a result, it's just it's really driven up the price of commodities, whether they're commodities that are going to be imported or commodities that are uh, already been, even being made, even being made here. So uh, uh, it's uh, it's just really a mess right now. I know that there's a lumber company, multi-billion dollar lumber company here in Louisiana that makes plywood and oriented strand board. And their their prices have gone up by a factor of nine. So it is. It is. Uh, it's a real. It's a real. It's a real mess right now. <clears throat> and also, people are coming out. People are coming out of the COVID shutdown, <clears throat> and they are starting to spend. There's a lot of pent up spending. Plus, there's all the stimulus money that's been pumped out. Just an enormous amount of money that's being pumped into people's uh, pockets right now. That was what I wanted spending. to ask you about because. Isn't that going to just naturally going to bring the price of goods up when you pump that much amount of stimulus in? Well, I mean, it, a lot is a Milton Friedman once said, everything depends on what happens to the money supply, <laughs> what the Fed does with the money supply. 
So it all depends upon that largely. But right now, if you look at the forecast for inflation, despite the fact that we're having some of these rapid increases in commodity costs, uh, they're not really seeing uh, inflation getting out of control. Nothing like, for example, what we experienced back in the early 80s when the people, some people might be old enough to remember this, the inflation rate got to around 18.5%. But so there's nothing out there on the forecast horizon that we're seeing right now that suggests anything more than maybe 3% or something like that, which would be up from what we've experienced in the last couple of years. But um, right now, no new real damaging uh, uh, inflation ahead. And a good way to check that out, by the way, is to look at your interest rates. If interest rates are not increasing sharply, that's an indication that inflation is not increasing sharply. I was going to mention the interest rates, but then I didn't. And then you brought it up. So I'm going to because, um, you know, you mentioned 18 percent inflation rates. Of course, back in the 80s, you had what, 15, 16, 7 percent, 17 percent interest rates on buying a house. And, yeah, you know, and, mortgage, and yeah. are, are we still at record, you know, interest rates on buying a house? One, two, three, four percent, you know. And so I, I think of where we were before, where we are now. And, you know, I, I'd hate to see, you know, interest rates tickle up a percent or two because that would that would do quite a bit of halt, too. Well, it would it would have somewhat. But still, I mean, I, I shared some information at a real estate trends conference I spoke at last week and i was showing them the trend in mortgage interest rates by a quarter going all the way back to 1981 and even though interest rates are expected mortgage interest rates expected to go up about a full percentage point between now and the end of 2022 they're still going to be very low by historical standards still under four percent uh or four percent or just under four percent and so those are still rates that I don't think will be will not really hurt uh, the the housing market very much, and, and and on top of that, you have a group of people called the millenniums, who are aging now. They are approaching that age when people buy their house for the first time, and there's quite a wave of these people that's going to increase the demand for housing, separate and apart from the increase in demand for housing that's taking place because of the work from home. Phenomena, which I think will ease some, but not. I don't think we're going to go back to where we were before. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, um, especially, if you have, especially if you're in the office business. If you're in the office space business, this is not a happy time for you. Uh, oh, you got to reinvent again, your business plan. No question you, yeah, about you that. Yeah, you got to think of something. You got to think of something else because uh, there's going to be pretty high vacancy rates going forward. I think if this has this work from home, from home phenomena. Uh, starts to hold on. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the EV vehicles and, and some new news you have and some new information that you've you've gotten, but I wanted to ask you a question first and then transition into uh, uh, your your topic on it. But my, my question is, is uh, when I took a look at the new Biden plan, there was a lot of money being invested into EV vehicles. And a lot of the... Uh, well, Senator Hoven and, and Senator Kramer and Congressman Armstrong in North Dakota were quick to point out that there was more being invested into EV, EV vehicles 
than roads and bridges and, and that type of infrastructure, which actually tells me that they probably are trying to going to keep people home by, I don't know, it just if they're going to invest more in the electric side of things and not as much into the uh, infrastructure, it just shows where their priorities are or going, I guess. I don't know. How, how are you reading that? Well, I mean, I think this is this is an administration that's very anti-internal uh, combustion engine. They are very much against the internal combustion engine. The person that he put into the head of the Department of Interior, Deb Halen, is very much a strong uh, Green New Deal person. She wants to do away with the internal combustion engine. She wants to stop all drilling and permitting on uh, federal lands and waters, lands being very important to you guys, waters being very important to us. Uh, so he is putting people in places of power uh, that uh, have bought fully into the climate change uh, uh, being an existential threat issue. And as a result, they're really pushing very hard against the internal combustion engine. So uh, the people in states like your state, my state, Texas, to some extent Colorado and also within the Pennsylvania area, this is not this is not Oklahoma. This is not happy news for us. Just seems like they're going to be really almost getting people to rely on public transportation and a number of different things. Just the, the, reading the tea leaves is all I'm getting at. Is It just seems like yeah, this is well, really ramping up. Yeah, well, it is ramping up. And, and I think the only way they're going to be able to get people to start using EVs more and more is to force them to, because people are not going to do this naturally. And they're not going to do it naturally because there are a number of what Daniel Jurgen refers to as gateways. There, there, there are there are problem areas with the adoption of the EVs uh, uh, widely. One is just the cost of the suckers. Uh, you know, the, I think the Tesla three is, is on the market. If you give me a half a second here, the Tesla three is on the market right now for about. Somewhere between thirty-eight and fifty-five thousand dollars, as compared to a Toyota Camry, which is twenty-five thousand. So they are a lot more expensive. That's the first gateway, and so there's a whole set of lower to lower middle income families that are simply not going to be able to afford these things. So that's one gateway. The other gateway is it doesn't matter what your income level is, there is the range anxiety problem. And that is the, the Tesla Model 3 will only go 220 miles before it has to be recharged. And even the other ones, I think there's the Chevy Volt will go 260. There's actually just late, recently a GM Silver uh, Silverado uh, pickup that will go 400 miles. But, I mean, just, for, just to give you an idea, uh, most of your listeners probably won't grasp this distance, but from, from Baton Rouge to Shreveport, is about 250 miles. I was just driving up there the other day uh, to testify in a case for some people. Uh, so I would have had to stop somewhere along the way to recharge my car. That brings up another problem, another gateway problem, and that is where the heck would I recharge? Uh, in the city of Baton Rouge, there are only about 24 recharging stations uh, in our within within ten miles of the city center, and most of the charging stations have two plugs. Okay, now there are 
provide gasoline. Like Shell has 37 stations in my area. Chevron has 29. There's all kinds of places you can fill up a, a, an internal combustion engine. But to charge a car, just 24 places. And each one of those places may have two plugs. That's all they have. Then the next, the next problem you have is the charging time. Uh, the, these stations in Baton Rouge, it'll take you seven hours, seven hours to recharge your Tesla 3. So you can, and, and some of these, most of these, most of your homes are only equipped with electricity plugs to recharge, to recharge your car at a rate of 15 to 22 hours. So with those, those are pretty significant barriers to owning an AV, I would suggest to you. We're taking a road trip down to the Permian Basin, and then we have to go to the Bakken Barbecue. So the first week of July, we've got to go down to the Permian Basin to do speak at a trade show, and then we've got a booth there as well doing some live recording. And then we got to drive, drive back, and then uh, that following Friday, I'm emceeing the Bakken Barbecue. So we started to do that exercise last week on our morning show, Play Hard, Work Hard, and after, the, after day one, we left at 7 a.m., ended up in Sioux Falls, which is a four-hour drive. And we rounded up. It was 250 miles, but we said that we'll get there. And then we, and then, and then we had to charge the thing for 10 hours. And, and, I mean, the whole trip down to Texas would have taken like a week and a half. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just I mean, I, uh, and, that, and what, that, that, now, now what, what my expectations are that – they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna solve. They may be able to solve that problem over time. Uh, uh, we are a nation of smart, clever capitalists, and so my expectations are that they will, they will resolve these problems. But in the meantime, it is, it is, you know, this this transition to EVs is not going to take place quickly. What? Not with those kind of. And, and also, I, I mentioned, forgot to mention one other gateway problem. And that is that if you have to replace the battery in that Tesla 3, 16550 bucks to replace that sucker. Now, that, for that reason, most of these batteries are guaranteed for eight years or 100,000 miles. But uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the EV, is a simpler car, so there should be hopefully less trouble with it. But if that battery goes out, you know, prepare yourself because you got to sell part of the house. So, so there's some pretty serious barriers to those suckers just immediately coming in. So the transition time for us to go uh, from EVs to uh, the internal combustion engine, I, I want to suggest to you it's going to take a long time. They're not going to be able to do this for 2030, I don't think. This is just going to take a very long time to convince people to do this. And in many cases, I think the only way you'll convince them to do this is to force them. You're going to have to say you can no longer have the internal combustion engine. And there's a lot of people in the Biden administration will be perfectly okay with that. And I think Deb Halen will be perfectly okay with just telling you, no more. You can't do this anymore. Well, they might they might tax them into it, too. You know, with, well, the, with the new carbon be, tax yeah. and that. By, by the way, speaking of taxes, how are you going to pay for your roads? Oh, we brought it? that up for years. When you buy a Tesla... <laughs> You, I mean, I'm not sure if they have that fixed in all the counties or not, but that we were harping on that for years because you pay for roads with a gas tax. Yeah. How come by no one's way, talking about that? Yeah. By the way, the folks who want to keep it in the ground and not have any more, you know, oil being produced, uh, 
how about those rubber tires on that uh, on that EV? How about all the plastic in that EV? How about the windshield wipers? As a matter of fact, when you got up this morning, you brushed your teeth with toothpaste. Guess what? The toothpaste has uh, a petroleum component to it. The toothbrush itself is plastic. Well, guess what? The comb you combed your hair with, the shampoo that you use, the conditioner that you use, I mean, it goes on. And people don't realize how much of petroleum products are involved in their lives, separate and apart from the transportation side. So, I mean, play golf. You know, I'd like to play golf tomorrow. Golf balls have got a petroleum component in it. Basketball, football, all of those have petroleum components in them. So the idea that you can just keep it all on the ground is absurd. I mean, that's just that's just impossible. You might as well give that up. Last question for you here. Uh, Lake Charles update, Louisiana update. What's going on down there? Well, Lake Charles is uh, still struggling. You know, Lake Charles was hit by two hurricanes. And they were they were pretty destructive hurricanes, and um, Lake Charles is the only metropolitan area in the state that is uh, actually worse off than what it was in April of 2020, the, the month of the first complete shutdown. All the other metropolitan areas in the state have improved somewhat. Uh, we we're about we've gotten back about 44 percent of all the jobs that we lost. Uh, but we're really being held back by uh, the anti-fossil fuels thing. I mean, we uh, are, we have a couple of cities like Lafayette and Lake Charles that depend very heavily on um, activity in the Gulf of Mexico. And, of course, there are no lease sales going on right now. He stopped the lease sales, uh, and they're going to study it. And I promise you, when that study comes out, they're going to they're going to come to a conclusion that uh, the, the, the feds are not getting what they should be getting uh, in the offshore lease, uh, offshore Gulf of Mexico. They're not getting what they should be getting in the federal lands in North Dakota, uh, in Wyoming, and other places. And they're going to use that as a tool to try to shut down the Gulf of Mexico. So things are not going well in the oil patch part of our state. Uh, the only thing that's still going pretty well is the chemical side, uh, which is huge down here because we have access to a lot of good natural gas. Uh, the chemical side is doing well. Uh, LNG exports is doing very well. That's especially important for the Lake Charles area. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, we're, we're one of those states that's going to be, that's going to get, we're going to get tagged. We're going to get hit pretty hard by this anti-fossil fuel uh, stuff coming out of the Biden administration. 